0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also Ellen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate us over by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week?
1: It's going okay. I am very tired.
0: Oh, My no. schedule
1: for... Yeah, my schedule for the quarter is just kind of rough mm-hmm. um, it's in how I have to divide my two jobs. So I'm just like, I by Friday, I'm just wiped God. out. Okay. Yeah, no, it's just like every, every Friday I have at least three hours of freelance work left to do. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm just like, yeah, I'll get up at five, just like I do Monday through Thursday. I'll <laughs> do them, I'll be done by eight. Oh, and then I'll horrible. be ready to go volunteer. Yeah. And past two Fridays, I've gone... Yeah, I'm just going to sleep. But <laughs> I did get up at 6 instead today and did 2 hours before I left to go volunteer. Um so that made a difference. So maybe I'll just change my alarm on Fridays.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you could just do what I do, which is like the alarm goes off at, you know, at the time when if I got up, I could have a leisurely breakfast and make some coffee and all that and then I don't get up and then instead at the last possible second when I need to move or I'll be late for work, that's when I just dash through the house to to get ready and shove a protein bar in my face and hope that'll hold
1: me through twelve hours of teaching. Um that's, that's not gonna hold you through twelve hours of teaching. If no, you stop doing that.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um well well if there's no traffic I have time to drive through Starbucks, but I know their breakfast sandwich situation way too well i know Mm -hmm. it better than is healthy so i'm trying to get better about that about like the actually like getting out of bed so that i can you know have time to be civilized in the morning but uh
1: have you considered like making like um egg muffins like, and to just heat them up when... Oh, I yeah, no, craft. I'm not no. gonna,
0: I'm not gonna do that. Because okay. I, when I actually get up when I'm supposed to, I mm-hmm. make real egg muffins. I toast okay. a bagel, I scramble some eggs, I, like, I right. do, like,
1: so, and, and that is delicious and exactly what I want to have for breakfast, it's just you right. can't... Right, but, um, but God, you can, like, me. make scrambled eggs and, like, bake them in muffin tins and then just refrigerate them and then heat them up. No? Not gonna do that? Okay. That, I, I, I have some family members who do that. Um mm-hmm.
0: not having tried it i I must say it that is a crime against eggs. eggs it is i'm
1: not a I'm not a big fan of them either, but they're convenient,
0: yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that i'm okay. i'm I'm not gonna reheat any eggs, but I appreciate the consideration and like the thought and like the hey, this would be helpful it would be helpful but if i if I'm gonna have reheated eggs, they're gonna be reheated in water at a panera drive through The way the the good Lord of breakfast, the way God intended, intended, yes,
1: yeah. Um, Well, then, like oatmeal in a slow cooker. Like no, oatmeal? oh,
0: I like oatmeal, but then I'm hungry an hour later. Like all yeah. of this, like
1: this thing, of, like oatmeal is supposed to stick to your
0: ribs. It never does for me. Listeners, yeah, let no. me know what I'm doing wrong. Because like I put, I put like walnuts in there. I put mm-hmm. like, like I this like cranberries. Like I put all the good stuff in there and some extra protein, like you know, with the walnuts and everything. And yeah. and then I'm always hungry an hour later. And I'm looking around at like the rest of my family who like that fills them for the day. And I'm like, what is wrong with like? Well, clearly me. But yeah, I I gave up on oatmeal. I used to do oatmeal every day because it was like a healthy life choice, right? And and was just like I was always hungry almost immediately, so I so I just stopped. I stopped doing it. But I think with like an egg, it's you know with some form of protein, it's a good breakfast. But you know, well
1: maybe mix in some peanut butter or like some protein powder type stuff.
0: Maybe the way I hadn't thought of the peanut butter thing. Um,
1: That's what my partner does. Like she'll make oatmeal and then like mix in like a couple of spoonfuls of peanut butter.
0: Okay, that would make yeah. a big difference. I just like can't decide if that is like a crime against oatmeal, but why would it be? I haven't oatmeal I mean, is
1: like a blank canvas. It's just yeah. as long as it's creamy, and <laughs> as long as it's creamy, you've done right by oatmeal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sh- I'm, I'm certain. I'm sure that there are uh, recipes out there, there are websites and blogs, like especially for oh, yeah. people who are like. Yeah trying to pack protein into everything like lifters and stuff. Yes. Like, yeah. I guarantee you there are recipes. So maybe I'll have to look into
1: that. Um, yeah. this has
0: been breakfast talk with the Televerse.
1: Right. And yeah. I feel like this should just be a recurring segment where we talk about breakfast because I love breakfast. I love breakfast as well. It is an <laughs>
0: Excellent delicious meal. Um, so this may become a recurring segment, listeners. <laughs> we make no promises. Um speaking of listeners, we got some listener feedback this week from Vince over on Twitter and uh and so I and, and I I know obviously, Noel, you haven't watched Lucifer, but this is about Lucifer, and I but I want your opinion thoughts on this because mm-hmm. Vince, right, really uh enjoyed season one of Lucifer, a lot of season two. Um started to tire of some of the like the threads. Um, in season two, powered through the very long season three, took a break, came back, did not like the season four premiere. Mm-hmm. And Vince wants to know if he should like stick with it for a few more or just like give up and walk away because, yeah. you know, proportionately now he's not liked more than he's liked. And I'm not sure what to advise him because I really like season four and I have sure. some trouble with some, with some of the same stuff he has trouble with in season three but overall still really enjoyed it yeah. um and i'm of two minds because obviously if you don't like a show stop watching the show yes. right like just stop watching it's perfectly fine um and and there is a point like when you're watching a show where there's this you know the sunk cost fallacy where you feel like right. you know there's only nine more episodes and then i will have seen all of it and that kind of a thing and and they say it's really good You know, but you know, when is that a worthwhile investment? When is that just you know punching yourself in the face with media? And so for me, Vince, like I think actually season four is their best season. The thing, one of the things he doesn't like, has to do with the season three cliffhanger, and the issue he's having is resolved in like by the end of episode three, episode four of the season. Okay. And then I think he'll be more on board with the rest of like the dynamics from there out there on out. But that's again like a quarter of the season. It's only a ten episode season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Should he just cut and run? Or should he power through a couple more? I also really like some of the actors in season four, but one of the guest cast that
1: I really enjoy is a character he doesn't like. Oh. So yeah. So Yeah. Here's my recommendation. I think just cut losses. Mm-hmm. And come back for season five because there's a musical episode. Just
0: <laughs> no, he can't do that because <laughs> of things that happen. He can't do that. <laughs> um, but um... he can read some. Wiki- Vince just read some Wikipedia summaries. Yeah. And be well, like... <laughs> what do you yeah. think of that? Should he read some Wikipedia summaries and see like if he's intrigued, then yeah. he can watch. You know, or if he's like, oh, that's what where they're going. This is worth watching. Or oh, that's where they're going. No, thank you.
1: Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a fair thing to do. Like I even recommended that on Twitter um for folks who were thinking about getting into Batwoman and mm-hmm. like we'll talk about um, how queer everything is today. Today, but like I felt like that episode was a really good jumping on point, but also you didn't necessarily need to watch the previous seven or eight episodes of the show to jump on into that episode, I think. Um but and we can we'll talk about this later, but I think that there is some validity to reading a couple of Wikipedia summaries, especially if you're suddenly on the fence mm-hmm. um, and just going, yeah, maybe. But also, if he vents, if you do read the summaries and go, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. Maybe you go back and watch it and you'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Well, that's same kind of thing of like, oh, now I see where they're going. So they're yeah. not the thing that I think is stupid um, is stupid, which is why they're going to like. Toy with it, but then subvert it. So, okay. Or just skip ahead to the episode where that gets resolved and, like, pick up from the next one. the kind of a thing. Uh, Yeah. Can he do that? Can he just, like, skip? Well, I don't know because I don't know Vince well enough. I know my own personality where, like, I would... Structure-wise, yeah. Oh, structure-wise, yeah. You could, if you read, I mean, if you read the synopsis, you know, like, the Wikipedia or whatever entry, you'd be fine skipping any of them. But, like... Compulsiveness wise, I don't know if it's we'll be able to allow themselves to do that. Like I know that if I was invested in a show, I would have a hard time doing that. But that's certainly what I recommend people do for like Legends of Tomorrow and stuff. It's like just don't watch yeah. don't watch season one. If you need if you feel like you need it, read a recap, but like just don't even watch it until you already like the show. And then you can go back and be like, This is really stupid, but Katie Lotz is awesome. And ooh, yeah. snark from Snart. <laughs> um, so yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the answer, Vince. Let us know what you think. Uh, also, uh, shout out to to uh, Santa Olson who has been replying in this Lucifer thread a bit as well. So I'm enjoying the conversation. I need to get back to both of them on Twitter, but um. Yeah, it's it's tough. And and Vince mentions that like, he powered through like four seasons of Friday Night Lights because everybody kept saying it was so amazing. And mm-hmm. he didn't really like it. And they finally gave up after season four. And yeah, that's one of those. And I can see how with that show, like you watch the first season. And you're like, I don't know if this is for me. And then everybody says the second season is terrible. Right? right? Yeah. So like, you feel like, okay, well, I'm gonna watch it because I'm, that's my personality. I can't let myself skip it but everybody says it's terrible so that's supposed to be terrible and then you yeah. get to season three and you keep waiting for it to click before you know like so i totally get that um don't let us tell tell you if you're not liking it don't let don't let people tell you oh well it, but you should because it's good and it'll get better late no just cut bait
1: i mean i did that with friday night lights i watched the first full se- first first season and went yeah this isn't for me but i'll do season two premiere and then i went This is really bad. This is not the same show. How is this the same show? How are these two kids? Wait, I'm confused. His dad is a cop and this was self-defense. What is happening? Right. Why is any of this happening right now? This is not the same show. I'm just going to stop. And I did. (laughs) I haven't watched another moment of Friday Night Lights since I watched the season two premiere well after the show had already left NBC.
0: Yeah. No, and I love Fred Night Lights, as listeners will know. Um, But I hear you. I hear you. And I hear you. I hear you, Vince. Do not feel like you need to keep watching it just so that I can talk to you on Twitter about it. Though I, you know, like, because he was like, I'm sorry if I'm nagging about this. I'm like, oh, no, I love talking about Lucifer. I'm like... (laughs) very much in the glow the post binge glow uh, about about that show so it is not nagging uh at all um but but yeah don't feel like well it's kind of a thing now and i've already watched three seasons and there's only gonna be five and there's only 10 more ep- no that's life's too short there's too much tv
1: yeah, you could just spend it watching Succession instead.
0: Yeah, which we still haven't watched. Uh, but uh, but we did watch, though, this week, Sex Education Season 2. Uh, Vince watched that. He took a break between Lucifer Season 3 and 4 and watched Sex Education. So hopefully he enjoyed it. This is going to be our conversation at the end of the show. That's our spotlight segment this week. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's going to be a lot to say. It should be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have things to say.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that with that little tease out of the way, now let's uh take a break, listen to some music and we're going to come back with a full weekend TV right after this. week in TV, we're going to kick things off with Aquafina is Nora from Queens, the premiere uh, aired this week on Comedy Central, pilot. Then we'll talk briefly about Shit's Creek, The Job Interview, and Stumptown, Dirty Dexy Money. Uh, before we move on to genre, I'll talk a little bit about Doctor Who, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, and Star Trek Picard, which had its premiere Remembrance. Then we're going to just check in on all the CW Arrowverse shows and how they're doing post-crisis. So we'll have Arrow, Green Arrow, and the Canaries, which is the backdoor pilot for the potential Green Arrow Spinoff set in 2040. Um, we'll talk about the DC Legends of tomorrow premiere, meet the legends. Black Lightning had the Book of Markovia, chapter one, Blessings and Curses Reborn. So time for a new chapter of, of Black Lightning. And we'll round things out with Supergirl, the bottle episode, and Batwoman, how queer everything is today. Um, and then yeah, there's lots lots of interesting developments in all those shows. But first up is Aquafina is Nora from Queens on Comedy Central. Uh this pilot, uh I didn't laugh. Just never a good oh. sign, but there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of goodwill. I have a lot of goodwill towards Aquafina, at least her comedic persona. And yeah. so I could, I mean, I've, I've previously said a DVR recording, and this is one that I could see growing into something. I enjoy a bunch of the cast, but it also isn't funny enough for me. And I feel like it's not different enough from something like a broad city for me to be that engaged with it. Um, so I don't know. We'll see we'll see whether I stick with it. I was hoping for it to be funnier, but I do appreciate Aquafina's performance in it, which is mostly a dramatic performance with some silliness thrown in. And uh it could it could grow into something, but uh certainly when they're especially the fact that they're like branding it with aquafina and everything you're kind of hoping for more so we'll see it for me it's worth watching just to see BD wong play aquafina's dad um and uh,
1: that's so good
0: right (laughs) uh and and just like there's there's a yeah there's there's a lot of fun energy there but I would. I hope if you know if I do keep you know watching the next few episodes, depending on how busy the next few weeks are, I'm hoping that it will step it up pretty quickly. But we will see. Next up is Shit's Creek, the job interview, and I thought this was solid, but I was hoping for more. I gotta say, I was rather disappointed in the roses um, by the end of the episode, but hopefully, all will turn out well. Um, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I think that structurally this episode is a lot of setup in terms of, all right, we're we're really kind of committed to the idea of Stevie leaving, basically. Yeah. Um, and I like that idea given her change of perspective as a result of doing Cabaret. So her going off to interview for what could easily be the worst airline in existence. <laughs> Take yeah. that spirit. Um with its Larry error with it's now completely private pay toilets. Um, It's just, all of that is bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That I I like this concept, but also one of the problems with it is, it's just like, well, but you can just ask Stevie to help you with this. I, that this was kind of like the issue with the overall arc of this is Stevie can still own the motel, and do something else. That's yeah. That's 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 how that's how things work is yeah, that she can be a silent
0: partner. That's very easy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and I feel like Johnny should know what a silent partner is. Yeah. Um so it's very much setting up like keeping them here and then just having um Roland um just be much more present, which I'm just like,
0: but no. <laughs> but no, can we have Jocelyn and not Roland? Can, yeah, please, exactly. can that happen?
1: Yeah. So I think that there's good sort of transition y stuff here in terms of like setting up a degree of an end game for everyone. Um and I'm I'm pleased about that. Um but yeah, it just there's like little niggling plot holes that I'm just like, but you can just talk to Stevie about this and you're fine, you're set, you're done. Um so it it was a little frustrating. Um what did you think about Ted the turtle? Since <laughs> it's not a tortoise. But there are differences.
0: There are differences. <laughs> I liked that they both had done that. So when we find out about,
1: I forget, was it a worm or a yes, bug? Yes, some- a fly that mates with itself.
0: Yes. When we found out that they had both named an animal after the other one, I was like, okay, that that is kind of adorable and just... Very special, so <laughs> good for yeah. them. Uh, that that whole arc or you know subplot I thought worked well. The stuff that I had the biggest problem with, while it was very funny, um, was the the Larry Air stuff because Stevie is way overqualified for yes. this stuff, and I think the show should know that. Maybe she doesn't know that, but right. certainly David should. So yeah, why is David not encouraging her to
1: aim a little higher? Yeah, and I think that's a fair thing to ask. Um, I do think that a lot of it, at least for Stevie, may not necessarily be that she doesn't necessarily feel qualified to work someplace else. But I don't... When do you think the last time Stevie went on a job interview was?
0: Oh, I don't think (laughs) she's ever been on a job interview. Exactly. So if you're
1: going to apply for a job, I think doing it in a low stakes environment for your first time, especially when you're probably Stevie's age and going, yeah, no, let's, let's... Let's get my feet wet with an airline that's almost certainly going to go bankrupt within the next two years, either through loss of monies or through lawsuits, because they already have a class action pending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I think um, that's fair.
0: And it wasn't yeah. like she was actively going to take the job so much as it's just like an excursion. It was it was very right. strained to get David there. But it was still fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, over on Stumptown we have Dirty Dexy Money, and I'm curious what you think about. Let's start with the ending because okay. it's very stupid. Um, but the show seems to know it's very stupid, yeah. so I'm trying to decide whether that helps. What What do you think about you know Dex being drawn in to be their fake like heroin buyer because they need someone the next 24 hours,
1: right? It is very, very stupid. But the preview for next week's episode just goes, "Yeah, no, this is really stupid. Why are we doing this?" Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, "Okay, good, because this is really not. I mean, you have other cops that can do this. Like, you have plain you you have like patrol cops that could reasonably do this. Well, and if
0: they're worried about cops, like there being like a mole on the inside uh, who will know who the cops are." Dex is such a presence at that station that everybody knows about her, too.
1: Right. So it's just, it's a, it's very much a choice of, all right, we've had Dex kind of separated from the two of them for an extended period of time, by which we mean two and a half episodes. Mm -hmm. So time to get the band back together type of, type of deal. And it's just like, this is silly. But at the same time. I really want to watch Dex pretend to be a heroin buyer. <laughs> <laughs> I do look forward to Colby
0: Smolders getting to do that. I feel like she will be very entertaining. Um, yeah. The other thing that I like about this is that it promises an end to this stupid undercover arc. It escalated Gosh, very quickly, I so. and I feel yep. like, yeah, like that. That this means that that plot's gonna have to come to an end sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. So I think that's a positive.
1: It is a positive and I think that even the show was even straining a little bit to keep it going even this week with mm-hmm. all right we don't have enough to really fill so we're gonna do a corrupt cop storyline on the periphery and I just went no nope, nobody nobody cares just it, it, it's a weird sort of because we've never seen that cop before that worked in vice right
0: no i don't think so i think the only reason they did that was just to have a reason that they need dex to (laughs) to be undercover right so they're like let's structure an entire episode to say why we can't do this the way you would actually do this um which is a lot of that's a lot of legwork
1: yeah, it's it's just it's 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 too much like work. So but we
0: did get more Cameron Mannheim and I think we're both on board with that.
1: I am on board with that. Um I the other thing I did like about this episode even if I, the case of the week wasn't particularly compelling, I did like Oh, I like, liked it?
0: But yeah, it wasn't it was hugely compelling.
1: Yeah, much like with last week's episode where they sort of did parallel character stuff between what Grey was doing as a criminal and then his domestic life here, we get another sort of paralleling l- glimpse into the future mm-hmm. <laughs> of what Deck's life could be if she doesn't sort of like really reinforce those bonds that have kind of helped her get where she is as opposed to sort of isolating herself into this um, person who gets re- reimagined as Cheryl Hines just living her best life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so um, fun. So I really liked how they're kind of continuing that thread of, all right, this is what your life kind of looks like in this vein, and then what it could look like kind of thing. So I like how they're building that, baking that into these cases. Um, so it keeps things kind of moving along and fresh. So I like that. Um, so that was that was my favorite part, I think, was just that parallel, paralleling or like foreshadowing. Not foreshadowing, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you A mean. Yeah, absolutely. Warning, ghost of Christmas future warning type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. Um, the only other thing is baked Alaskas. Okay, I have so many thoughts on this. That's what I wanted to talk about. Really, was baked Alaskas.
0: <laughs> I really enjoy their world building and the fact that they brought back Kathy Kinney to be the the clerk. You know, uh, right? That, uh-huh. That's that's their second time on the show, right? Or am I, did I make up the first time? Um- I've no, I feel like she was definitely on before, but I can check real quick while you're Okay. Talking. Um but yeah, I really enjoyed that dynamic. And I and it's it feels like they are trying to do an emergence kind of thing where we get a sense of like the recurring bit players that Dex is gonna be dealing with, which makes sense as in a PI show you would have certain people you'd go to. Um so I enjoyed that. So okay. Listeners, if any of you follow my write ups about uh the Great British Bake Off or Great British Baking Show over at the A V Club, you will know that i have talked about this but baked alaska has been uh my nemesis in the past and it is in principle a very straightforward dessert but i tried to make it once for my brother's birthday and like i i went I went big with this. I had, like, six different kinds of ice cream, different flavors, like, domed, you know, so that you had to get the ice cream and soften it just enough that you could shape it to have layers and you, so you can cut into it. I went to make the meringue. Noel, I made this meringue at least four times. I washed the bowl very carefully, very, very precisely, and every implement between each time because if you get even the slightest bit of fat in with your meringue it will not whip up it will not work right and i that i and i called people over to help me who should know how to make this who have made it in the past they also got their ass, asses kicked by the meringue i had a breakthrough in the last holiday baking session with my meringues which is i did not appreciate just how essential it is to have your egg whites be room temperature and okay. it was, it was a game changer for me this last, this last Christmas. Uh, so maybe that was the issue, but, uh, yeah, I we just, we didn't have birthday cake. We had, we had ice cream. We had f- domes of ice cream <laughs> with no meringue. Mm, no, domes of ice th- cream. We d- tried to bake it. It didn't work. It just was a mess and it was, ugh. My brother was very cool about it, but yeah, baked Alaska's uh were were yeah I was appreciating the <laughs> difficulty that they were having with that, even though what they were showing them make was not baked Alaska. That was way no. too much batter. That's not how it works. You just oh, that's not it at all. But the notion of like this terrific chef having just the the hardest time ever with a very straightforward dessert, I felt it in my bones, null in my bones. And mm-hmm. so I really appreciated that subplot. I thought they used, it was a good way to incorporate that side character to have some questions about the parents, um to give uh, Ansel something very different to do. It was a really lovely uh, subplot. I thought it was delightful and also eventually I will make Baked Alaska again and I'm actually pretty confident that I will crush it the next time I do it, but it's still it's still too soon for me. So, yes, I like that subplot. What did you think?
1: No, it was fun and I enjoyed it and I liked how it was a good cat to dext's mm-hmm. like beats in this episode um so i was really happy with it and it was very delightful yeah. um so i enjoyed it yeah
0: i now have a flamethrower like one of those kitchen flame thrower okay. things so like if if i made it now even if i also once again got my ass kicked by the meringue i could just torch it with a blowtorch instead of having to try to bake it in the oven the only way we had that to do was the in the oven that time mm-hmm. and uh so now I would be fine but have you ever tried to make baked
1: Alaska, or successfully made baked Alaska? No, and I don't think my partners tried to make a baked Alaska either. Yeah, um, so I it's really
0: not her. that big a deal. You just it's yeah. like a cookie, or you know, and some ice cream, and a dome of meringue, and you bake the meringue just until it gets crispy on the outside. That's it. It's not hard. It's very straightforward, and yet,
1: and yet, and yet, and yet, and <sighs> so this was Kathy Kinney's first episode. on the oh, Okay.
0: Show. Okay, I'm remembering yeah. there was a different, you're right, there was a different clerk who was gluten-free yeah. but liked brownies, but in low sugar. Uh, or not yeah. brownies, the donuts, the low sugar, right. gluten-free do- donuts, or vegan donuts. Anyways, yes, I do, I do get the sense that they're trying to build a bit of a world with that stuff, and I think it's working, so. I agree. Um, over on Doctor Who, we had Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, which was a good bounce back from their last episode. It was um, so bad.
1: Orphan 55 was really
0: bad. It was really bad. So you watched it then? Yeah, I did watch it. It was really bad. Yeah. I was not kidding. It was, yeah. It was, like, confusingly bad. A friend of the show, Caroline Sita, was over on uh, Debating Doctor Who, uh, guested on that podcast this week, and she was saying that her pet theory is that... This was supposed to be like a two-parter or so, just or or something. Like something else happened behind the scenes to mess things up. And so the, this mm-hmm. is just like a stapled together kind of th- fix. And maybe that's part of it. But she said, I was like, oh, that does actually kind of make sense. But sure, still, I don't see that. that. That still wouldn't explain away that speech at the end, which was just... Had. So, anyways, yeah. this week's episode was much more fun. So, Nikola Tesla, current wars, Thomas Edison. And uh, yeah, this was just much more what I'm looking for. We had a new uh, a- alien invading uh, species race um, of scorpions, which was really. Ooh creepy and cool. Um, And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Gordon Visnick plays Tesla and um, I think does a good job. Of course, for all those timeless fans out there, lots of timeless feels from this one because of that casting. But I thought it was, yeah, that worked well and was neat. I liked the Doctor's, uh, the, the Doctor's rapport with Tesla. And when the aliens are they're trying, they, they must get Tesla because they need an engineer's help or whatever. And they don't give two shits about Thomas Edison. They're just like, you know, it's driving him nuts. It's killing oh, him. Gosh.
1: <laughs> it would, it would just demolish Edison entirely. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's really fun. There's a lot. There's a lot of fun to be had with this. So, uh, yeah. It, it, it's. Seeing the doctor nerd out about historical figures is always fun. Um, the the way that these last two seasons have tried to incorporate lesser known historical historical figures has been really has been really cool. And having a British cast of characters, right. Tesla is very straightforward. You know, figure in America, but I could see how for some Brits, maybe it would be, especially like these kinds of characters, maybe it would be a more obscure figure. It's not, they sure. don't, he's not treated as an obscure figure the way that some of the other historical figures have been. Um, but, uh, but still it's fun. It's, it's a, it's a neat, uh, it's a neat, neat episode and a good standalone. It cleansed the palate in a really delightful way. So, thank you, Doctor Who, for that. Over to Star Trek, which had the first episode of Picard premiere, Remembrance, and we, you know, we talked about previously. You know that I was not actually all that excited about Picard. Like I was like, yeah, I'm gonna watch it. And I mean, goodness knows I have strong ties to the character and the performance and. Uh, Patrick Stewart and, and and all of these things. but I just for whatever reason wasn't champing at the bit about this one. I really liked the premiere though. They made some mm-hmm. really terrific choices in my opinion about Picard's like intervening backstory between the last time we saw him and where he is now. Some of the choices made like they 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 have the, basically they have the Federation make some dark choices that may you know that prompts Picard to break with Starfleet entirely. And retire and then we pick up Mm -hmm. years later the the opening scene features Picard I mean we start with a a very terrific sound cue um, music cue I should say and then we cut to uh, Picard and Data playing poker which is such you know for anybody who knows their TNG knows their their you know the finale shots it's such a lovely way to start and it just builds from there and rather than feeling like a cash-in or just like like a, a show that's just relying on nostalgia, it does feel like it has something to say. There are some... There, you know, it's not just a well, let's see what Picard's up to now. It's like, no, we want to tell this story. We want to use this character to do it. We're going to tie in with the, uh, you know, original series, in this case, next gen. But, but we want to comment on our world now in interesting and meaningful ways. So, so yeah. And then also there's ridiculous action and other stuff that's fun too. But uh, I think for me, it was a really good balance of the idealism of next gen and Star Trek in general with more dark and weighty ideas as well. So like, you know, it's only one episode. We'll see where they, where they go, but there is, you know, it, it's, it's refreshing to see the ideals of next gen as embodied in Picard placed against darker and more challenging uh questions and a a less hopeful and utopian world that he is still in
1: right that was the question i was going to ask you was given that we've sort of entered a new period of star trek um with the all access star trek in particular um what do you make of this kind of shift in how we're conceptualizing the federation um in discovery particularly in season one um while there are reasons for our people that are associated with the federation are warmongers but they the general sense is that this pervades the rest of the federation as well um and then what you're talking about here is also something that hundreds of years in the future from discovery or however long ago it is um Something else is happening as well now. So what do you make of that kind of shift from this very quixotic, liberal-infused 1960s utopia of the Federation as this prime example of there's no money, there's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Um, and now we're slowly being compelled by creators to chip away at that as a concept?
0: um well I, you know i think it's very much in keeping with what trek was in its mm-hmm. non tng and original series incarnations right? okay. the federation we see here is not a big you know step from ds9 DS9 Mm -hmm. was a show that had, you know, I mean, it's a show that had a more skeptical eyebrow towards the claims of the Federation. And for whom are these things actually true? And when is the Federation getting its hands dirty and when is it not? And, you know, it was a show that was always more interested in difficult questions. Um, Whereas, you know, on a larger scale than the Next Gen was. Um, But... You know, and, and then Voyager kind of is its own thing because they're cut off from the Federation, and then right. Enterprise is a prequel, right? So, right. and then Discovery is a prequel.
1: Yeah, and TNG has like early season elements of there's a weird coup or mm-hmm. something happening in Federation because people have been taken over by aliens. Yeah, um, that they stop
0: or there's the McKee, Yeah.
1: Right. That kind of hints at other things, but then the show just goes, never mind. Don't Pay worry no about attention. that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. That's not a thing. That's not just a thing. deal with all these grumpy admirals that Picard hates instead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because what we get here is more of like votes, you know, like, like like the there's a line, I think it's in one of the trailers about, it's like, you're talking about, you know, the saving or like uh, something like 50,000 Romulan lives and Picard says no. Lives, not wrong. Just, just lives, and th- so this this idea of th- the the inherent challenges and bigotries and uh, discussions that we face now are still in people. Like people are still people. There are better and worse people, and this, the 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 sense I get at least is that there has there's been a shift based on some events that we find out about in the, in the premiere uh, and the people who were in charge and the impulses that were guiding them in during TNG um, and, and DS nine are no longer, they have just been like overshadowed by their lesser, by their, Worst demons, like you know, they're better demons. They're worse demons, or whatever the expression is. Um, yeah. and so, and and like, so that that tension, I think, is more interesting than pretending that you know, as a like as a expansive, multi-galaxy organization, the Federation will always make the right choice, and humanity will always make the right cho- choice. And what do you do if you are a, you know, trying to be a person of. Uh, of character and uh, of a strict moral code when faced with that. And, you know, when do you bend? When do you not? DS9 was very interested in that, in that discussion. But, um, but then it's so like, what does Picard do in a world where some of these things have happened? And right. So, res- and, and then, so then he makes the claim, like resign in protest is one thing you can do. And that's what the character did.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then X number of years later, how do you still feel about that, and was and what do you do now?
1: Right. Okay. So I'm, just, I'm trying to dance around things. No, no, and I appreciate that. And so, like, I think, like, what I'm really getting from this discussion is more so that this is less a sequel to TNG in a lot of ways, more so than a DS9 sequel, at least tonally Ish. speaking. Yeah, I mean... So far, anyway, maybe.
0: Yeah, sort of. Well, just, I mean, like, tonally... Maybe yeah. yeah, and you know it's but it's it's got very strong ties to d s sorry, it's got very strong yeah. ties to t n g um there's gonna be i mean it's already well uh will that um seven of is gonna be back several of the other ds t n g characters are gonna be back, but you know the Borg there's a Borg cube that you know like you know like different there's different shout outs and things that uh you know are gonna come into play. Over the course of the season, at some point, and so like there is a lot of TNG here, and certainly as embodied in Picard. But the like, well, we do, we're going to do the right thing because it's right, you know. That yeah. that works when Picard is in charge, but when yeah. when he's not in charge anymore, what do you do, you know? So yeah. so it should be interesting. It looks like we're going to be doing some more interesting things, and that's okay. where I will leave it. Yeah, I'm not sure okay. how I've. F- Someone who's seen more DS9 more recently, which means yeah. we should call it friend of the show Angelica Jade Bastien, um, could give a better answer to that. Sure. And that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, okay. Let's move on to the Arrowverse, and first up, we have the backdoor pilot for Green Arrow and the Canaries, which is potentially the Arrow spinoff centering on Mia, as well as Laurel, not Laurel, and and Dinah.
1: <laughs> um, She's not not Laurel anymore. Even Allison said so. <laughs> oh well, how about that? Um, so so
0: the the CW has really uh, tried to like they've they've. They're big on the spinoffs when they can do them. Yes. The Supernatural spinoffs they've tried have not worked for various reasons. They should have picked up Wayward Daughters. I would have watched the shit out of that show. But the yeah. other one they tried from Supernatural was not good. Uh, then they had Vampire Diaries into your originals, into Legacies. That seems to have worked for them. And yeah. I'm certain that they will be very eager now that Arrow is going off the air uh, to, to have a successor to that if they can make it work. Yes. Uh, Backdoor pilots tend to not be good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Where did this fall on the spectrum for you? And do you think this is a viable show for them in the future?
1: So first thing that we should mention is that at Mark Guggenheim's insistence, (laughs) (laughs) this is technically Green Arrows and the Canaries knocking on Heaven's door. (laughs) Okay. Um, Right. Well, no, because the studio mandated that it be called the name of the show should it be picked up. Yeah. But every Arrow penultimate episode has always been named after a Bruce Springsteen song.
0: Ah, I see. Okay, yeah. <laughs>
1: so um, since season one, um, yeah, it's just been a tradition.
0: So that's why the episode. I was okay. So listeners, I go through and call the episode titles and everything. What what's you every week, and I put them in our notes. And that, that I was surprised. Why did the that's such a distinctive title? Why did they change it? That explains it. Th- yes. <laughs> Thank you,
1: though. Yeah yeah, no, Warner Brothers TV went, no, you you can't call it that because of our system. So don't. And Mark Guggenheim was just like, fine. But I'm going to make sure everyone calls it that. (laughs) Uh, So I really enjoyed this. I thought it was kind of a fun rejiggering of their premise of the future of Star City in a lot of ways. Um, But it also, in keeping with this season, it also felt like a really good all right we're gonna do arrow again everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> down to playboy and this time it's just playgirl and socialite stuff and i was just like and there's still a club and all, like all the little signifiers of arrow are here and i'm just really happy about it and then just uh, the sort of really immediate chemistry between laurel Dinah, and mia that comes in after mia's brain gets um Techno Martian Zap. Yeah. After she gets um, woken up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, no, this is good. And Zoe's alive. Mm-hmm. So yay. Which needed to happen, so good. <laughs> Which needed to happen because that was gonna be really bad. Mm-hmm. Um so I think all of that worked really well. Um the action sequences were solid. Um, I really liked the kind of Riot Girl needle drops that they worked into it and I really wish that had been more the basis for the score for this episode in particular as opposed to Blake Neely's more video gamey uh Arrow soundtrack um, which is alternatively really good or just just not worth talking about um, so I was just like develop that sound more in keeping with the Riot Girl needle drops that you kind of incorporate and I'm just like That fits with this. But I think that overall. This idea of. all right, we can stop 2041 from happening. Let's do it. And the ways in which we're going to navigate that. I'm very very excited about. But mostly it's just the chemistry. Between the three of them. I think really makes the show. Something to exist in. Mm -hmm. And I like the. Mystery of. What's going on with. uh, 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 Dinah. Um, I think also provides a good hook for some things going forward. Um, So all of that was good, and I'm also glad that JJ's still going to be evil, because I really liked him as evil, and I'm just like, yes! Or is he? Is he? Is it
0: going to be a theme throughout the season where these two sides of his personality is definitely going to be a thing? Yeah, no, it's definitely
1: going to be a theme. Epitomized by one side of the Deathstroke mask and the other. Um, so (laughs) I generally really like it and I would be, I would definitely watch, I would definitely watch this if they picked it up. They've already picked up the, uh, Lois and Superman series, Mm -hmm. um, now with twins. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, whether or not there's room on their schedule for this, I hope that there is because I, I enjoyed it and I think there's, there's a lot of potential here and also just, I just can't wait for more william like i just want more william in my life too because he's so good so i'm i'm keen on getting more of this and i think that also season eight has done a really good job by this group of people these characters to justify and getting people interested in them enough to build a series off from them as opposed to keeping them in the season seven flash forwards where no one white, no one likes the flash forwards or flashbacks. <laughs> so let's figure out a way to incorporate them. In. And they did a really good job of that in season eight. So I'm ready for Green Arrows and the Canaries as a show. How did you feel about this?
0: Yeah, I'm on board. I think it was one of the best... Backdoor pilots I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really took advantage of the post crisis world. Yes. And like, I loved where they're like, Diane's just like, yeah, I just woke up in 2040. No idea why. And that's just a thing you can do <laughs> after yes. you reboot the universe. So that's great. And then, then and they were like, for, you know, not Laurel, Laurel, not Laurel, they were like, uh, yeah, Sarah dropped me off because she's got a time travel. <laughs> like, she got the Wave Rider. So. It's an easy, and this way we don't have to do old age makeup every week, so works out much better for everybody. Uh, yes, the, the just like you said, the the energy of it. This I mean, this feels like an early Arrow episode, if Arrow could learn. For- you know, if, if it learned from all the mistakes that they made over the beginning of Arrow, right?
1: Yes, exactly. That's such a good comparison. Yeah. They're
0: looking to do it all again, but like better. <laughs> and, yeah. and without the growing pains or with different growing pains. And that's really promising and, and fun. Like you said, the uh, the chemistry between the cast is terrific. Um I need William to be woken up immediately. Like I need that deeply in my bones. And obviously yeah. they didn't do that in this episode, but I would imagine that will be coming. Uh, I'm in in my head. It's like an alias will finding out situation where he's like tied to a chair somewhere. And mm-hmm. then, and gets a bag pulled out of off his head. And like they, and, and, and Mia wakes him up and he just goes like, Holy shit. You know, like I could see it being really fun. Um, but yeah, the, what they, the the details in this I really appreciated. Like you said, the soundtrack I thought worked really well. I loved their like yeah. Also, Dinah can sing, and yes, we, and
1: played the piano. And and, it's and we're gonna good. show
0: her the actor playing the piano because she's doing it, guys. And yeah. we're taking advantage of that. There was never like I love the little toss away lineup. Yet yeah, there wasn't much time for karaoke when we were saving the world. Um, and so the, the you know the, just lets them start fresh, have some appropriate stakes, have some ties previous, you know, events. And obviously some people remember because whatever's going on with the desk drug, you know, people, baddies, they have that same technology and access um, to the memories, which means that, like, there's only a small group of people who have that. Yeah. So it's got to be tied in some way to Lex or some of these other, you know, these other baddies that will have that information. But um, I'm not really concerned about that. I thought it was a good, fun twist on what we already have um with arrow and the things you know excising the stuff that doesn't work specifically the flashbacks and i'm yeah i hope it gets picked up i will definitely watch
1: this yeah yeah and i mean just the fact that we can keep using cisco as a plot shortcut of cisco just replicated it it's fine don't worry about it just just go with it If Carlos Valdez ever does leave the Flash, the entire Arrowverse is screwed <laughs> in yeah. terms of having plot shortcuts. Well, it'll just
0: have to turn into Luke or somebody, right? Like, right, yeah. Someone else will have to take over as the new genius, but... Or, or they can have Ryan do it on the Wave Rider, but, right. like...
1: Luke's going to be too busy
0: making cupcakes now. <laughs> yeah, which I'm very excited about. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, okay. But yeah, no, I thought, it was, I thought it was really fun. And I liked the... The friend group they kind of set up, I liked the different um, the different choices about what their world is going to be. And I think it's a good starting uh-huh. point. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, what do you think about Legends of Tomorrow, Meet the Legends, their season premiere, and also our, our own soft reboot? How do they handle Zari's brother being, you know, their air
1: totem wielder? I really generally liked this episode a good bit. I think that it has to do one too many things mm-hmm. but it's a victim of having a lot of the show sort of written and broken before they had like did the crossover basically um so they had to like integrate that so there's it's relatively I think seamless but there's still just the sense of no, there's you're, we're probably having to serve one too many masters, which is why I think the Sarah stuff is good, but also feels a little shoehorned in as well at the same time. Um, so it's like that balancing act of using Sarah's experiences during Crisis to propel how everyone's responding to what's happening with the encore of Rasputin. But at the same time... Without the crisis stuff, the episode still completely works, pretty much. So it's one of those things of this is a decent balancing thing. Um, so that's good. Um, Michael Eklund is Resputin's just so just good. Like I, <laughs> it's just good. Um, and I think that the other thing that is worth talking about is the fact that um, Ramona Young is gone and done as mono because she had to go sh- get that netflix money in mindy kaling's new show mm-hmm. um so she- she's she's gone and i'm very sad about that um so I, th- I generally i liked the episode a lot i just think there's a lot of like spinning plates here that they have to do and i think most of it works yeah really well and even the parts that don't i feel kind of iffy about Like, the really quick Mona exit or some of the Sarah stuff not totally, like, gelling for a lot of it. Everything else, I think, is really, really good. And I think that, like, Zari's brother, uh, Barad, feels immediately like he's been on the show for a very long time. And that's really impressive. And also, I like the double layering of, all right, Sarah is grappling with the fact that none of them know what happened on crisis and remember any of that, but also doesn't remember Zari at all. <laughs> and so like that double, like that double layering of memory stuff and timey whiny rewinding Um, I like that as well because it's really only something legends can get away with. And it ad- adds like a nice little like chef's kiss touch to the whole thing. I've been talking for a little bit. How did you feel about this episode and follow-up question was it better than the Arrow documentary episode? Short answer, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree that there were one too many things. And I think as soon as this had to become a post crisis and all of that trauma um, yeah. episode, like I just wish that it hadn't had the, the documentary crew because, yes. like, this, like every, the rest of the episode and Sarah's baggage was more than enough. And I really wanted more time with Sarah on that fall. Uh-huh. Like I, like, I was I was craving the Sarah content we got in the crossover because it was more meaningful. And that's not what should happen on Legends. Uh, but there was just only so much time. Uh, so so I thought the Rasputin stuff was really funny. I thought the Constantine and Gary stuff was really funny. I really felt that, you know, it was a really good moment of performance at the end when Sarah's like, Hey, come back. I'm not losing another friend right now, John. So you go do what you got to do in hell. Okay, whatever. I'll go with it. I'm Sarah oh, Lance.
1: Drinking, drinking Rasputin's. Oh.
0: Yeah, but you need to get back here because I'm still very messed up about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was appropriately poignant. I, the whole like with all this crisis stuff, I really want all of the, our main characters, everybody we follow on the show, basically who was on the show when we were watching it in the previous realities, needs to know. Yeah. Is how I feel. So all the legends need to remember the pre-crisis. And I understand if that's something they can't do yet because of all the stuff with Zari, which is such a significant plot thread of the season. But by the end of the season, I'm going to need our heroes to have their memories back. It's the same same as some of my issues with The Good Place, right? When the characters have been rewritten and it's like, but I was very attached to those choices and the the who they were before, so I need that incorporated. So I'm hoping yeah. that by the end of the seasons that will happen. Certainly, Sarah and Ava's relationship, you know, is important enough that 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 needs to be there. And certainly, like Mick and A- and and Sarah's relationship as well. Especially since we know everyone's favorite cupcake <laughs> Ray is not going to be on the show that much longer. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what, what happens. But I agree that Bra does feel like he's been on the show for forever. That's just a really fun addition. Um, That works better than it should. I think that they're balancing the emotional threads with Sarah and, and also Nate and Zari well. And there's a good amount of fun. I was enjoying on Twitter who is it somebody that i follow or maybe somebody that my my twitter friends follow and they retweeted it was talking about wait holy oh you know what? it was emily Andrus who runs why not wheno erp was like wait there are two there's two blonde women who love women on the show and they let them both still be blonde and they both kick ass what is going on this is amazing they didn't make one of them become a brunette this is awesome, <laughs> which speaks to other problems that maybe these creatives have dealt with <laughs> in yeah. studio notes meetings. Um, but I thought that was hilarious and super fun. Just watching Emily Anders, like discover legends, which was happening <laughs> um, on my Twitter feed, was delightful and super duper fun. So uh, yeah, get thee to Emily Anders Twitter if you are curious. Um, any other things you wanted to mention about this episode? I liked, I liked with how they handled the stuff with Gideon in particular. I thought that was yeah. really smart.
1: No, it was, and it was a really good way to incorporate the uh, Princess Leia-Zari message. Mm-hmm. Um, and while was sort of hinting at this, like, larger issue of, oh yeah, no, Sarah Sarah's right, but also we broke time. Yeah. Well, bent time a little bit, dented yeah. it. Yeah. But all this little stuff that works out, and I think that even like the Son of the Zari stuff, I think the way in which it's influencing Nate's behavior to become this weird like fame driven celebrity superhero a is a really good shift for Nate but like speaks to a way of him he's grieving without realizing he's grieving and i really really like that as a as a concept so it was it was very fun and it was also just really funny in a lot of places too um like no you have to get the laugh right before, before the Romanovs get here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah.
0: No, oh. you need to workshop that man. It, yeah. Yeah. It should be better. That's good. Um, that was super fun. I will say, I think uh, Dr. Who did that thread a little better with Amy uh, sure. so far that than what we've seen with Nate, but hopefully it'll get there. Of course, that's also just down to the performance that you know yeah. like we were getting from Karen Gillan. Um, they would just have her just like randomly be crying. Every, everything's fine. It's like, but then why are you crying? You're like, Karen Gillan, you're so good.
1: <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Please continue. The only yeah. other thing that worth mentioning is that DC's Legends of Tomorrow is willing to do the Thanos when Marvel just wasn't willing to. <laughs> yep. They, they just weren't willing to. And Legends of Tomorrow went, no, we can do this. We can, we do can this. get away with this. We can make this work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, let's go over to Black Lightning in the Book of Markovia, yep. Chapter 1, Blessings and Curses Reborn. And, okay, what well, has changed... Cool. In Black Lightning, because so far nothing yeah. has changed. And I kind of love that, but also, isn't that very
1: strange? Yes. It's both. Like I I I'm just adored by how the fact that the Black Lightning like writers' room and producers went, okay, they're on the same Earth, so what? Who cares? <laughs> also, we've been working on this for like a season and a half in terms of building up to this. So, no, we're just going to exist on a planet where Superman is a thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have Jefferson monologue about it for anyone who didn't watch Crisis. Mm-hmm. And then we're never going to talk about it ever again.
0: I, I like how they're like, no, Supergirl, sorry, you you can't work for the government anymore because the government's evil because we're not changing. And we're on the same world now. So, yeah, da-da-da. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I kind of like that Black Lightning just went, yeah, they're on the same world, but... They're all in Vancouver and we're still in Atlanta. And there's just not going to be a lot of overlap here. Yeah. Um, and Lynn so, is still a green light addict. We're not. Right. Yeah. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna not deal with it. And we're going to move on until the next crossover happens next year. We're yeah. just not going to acknowledge the rest of the show and mm-hmm. the rest of the like universe. And I think that's generally a fine idea because they're just so neck deep in what they're doing that there's not really space. For that to happen, and I do think it's a little weird that like literally nothing's different. Really, it seems like, but also I just kind of like the fact that the there's a boldness in that as well of being like, yeah, but we don't really care because <laughs> they didn't want us to play for two seasons, so we're not go- we're not going to play now. We're not going to change our entire world right we're not gonna you guys yeah right we're not gonna rejigger all of this and which leads me into like a mea culpa of i conflated marcovia and kazania together last oh week.
0: you're right yeah no and i didn't correct you either thank you for and for that so reminder. i need
1: to apologize for that <laughs> my fault but also dc's stand-ins for eastern europe kind of easy to confuse it is not my fault entirely but I should have been more aware of that Casneo was Supergirl last season. Uh-huh. Markovia has been Black Lightning.
0: Well, and isn't Markovia also uh, Ultron, right? That is um,
1: Sarkovia.
0: Sarkovia. Okay, see, there we go. Yeah, Sarkovian yes. Accords. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, Yeah. It's yeah. Just, yeah They all kind of... Yeah but and none of them is where doctor doom is from that's the only thing i no, know no that's that's latveria <laughs> that's different <laughs> i knew that that one was different
1: <laughs> right and also i should just say Markovia is sometimes more generally i think germanic as opposed to Kasnia which tends to be much more eastern europe soviet bloc um so again i should have been better aware of that and i apologize but it also explains why no one's t- but still it's weird no one's talking about kasnia now that they all say- share the same history unless everything from supergirl season 3 got redone which, which it, we'll it totally talk about did. in the next segment <laughs> we'll talk about that um, next yeah yeah so what did you think about like this sort of episode in which Nothing really changed for the show, but they also didn't do a whole lot, I feel like, as a part to, aside from just reinforcing things, as it were.
0: Yeah, it felt very much like a reintroduction and uh, reaffirmation of what they're exploring this season and the stories they want to tell. I liked what we got with, um, is it Brandon? Right? Um, With the earthquakes? Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, th- that they have escalated Lynn's addiction, and they're ready to start dealing with that. I think that's good. Um, I liked Jefferson coming back, and 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 Jennifer's back, and she's like, "Oh, and, she, and he's like, "No, I need a minute. I've been through some stuff, and I just need to hug my girls." <laughs> so <laughs> your dad's experienced some serious trauma and died. So so just we're just gonna have a group hug for a second, and then and you can go kill Odell. The white
1: guy just gave me a chair at a table with my logo on the back of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I haven't fully incorporated everything yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna need a minute. So I, I appreciate that. I thought that that worked well. Um, and like this is the one show where I actually don't need everybody to have their memories other yes. than to just experience like know what he went through. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe once Lynn is more together, then. That would be the one character who I would like to see have a, them have a scene where he's processing all of his trauma, but um, but no, I, I think this this sets up the next the next chapter the next book well, and I'm yeah you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I like the amount of answers they gave. I like that it was an easy entry point for people who might have discovered Black Lightning
1: through the crossover, and yeah, I, I like where we're headed so far. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think that this idea of a reintroduction. Uh, to the show and a way to get new hopefully maybe draw on some new eyeballs Mm -hmm. is easily like their biggest acknowledgement of the crossover is All right, we're not going to acknowledge the crossover in any real way shape or form but this does present us with an opportunity to draw people in so we're not going to do a whole lot of stuff we're not going to show off Tobias because
0: yeah that's a whole thing
1: that's a whole thing but here's where the Batcave is (laughs) Right. We do have enough little elements of, okay, we've got stuff that we don't need to nudge forward too hard. So let's figure it out and do, let's just do a soft relaunch, basically. And we'll be fine. And it generally works. It's for people who have been watching Black Lightning for a while, it's kind of a standstill episode. But for anyone new, it's probably a good sort of introduction to the show.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, Over on Supergirl, we had the bottle episode, which, you know, contender for best titles of the season of the year at the end of the year. I think this is a very good title. Um, And this is a breeding episode. And... As well as a, well, let's see what happened to the uni- universe over the world, the Earth over on Supergirl. And, you know, I think these are some really smart and fun readjustments and realignments. We're right on track to have uh, Lena back with Team Supergirl by the end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is how I'm taking all of the, like, the Lena teaming up with Lex thing. That's just like a, oh, good, because if she teamed up with Kara now, then by the end of the season that would have changed. So we're on yes. track. <laughs> track. Um, I'm not worried about that part. But I, I think having a brainy centric episode, and very specifically having a trauma centric episode, was really important. I liked that week. I mean, because like that was Supergirl was the first show of the first, you know, show in the crossover, so it was the first Earth destroyed. It is important that we show the characters dealing with grief and trauma. And if it's not going to be Kara for various reasons that are not appropriate, it is good that it is brainy. Um, And and maybe it's the whole Paragon of Hope thing that they don't feel like they can really have Kara get too messed up by her experiences, um, which is, you know, I would disagree with that. Uh, What we get here with Brainy, I think, is really effective. And um, yeah, I I like a lot of what we get, even the heartbreaking stuff.
1: Yeah, I I think it's mostly for me, this is just such a really good episode for um, uh, Jesse Rath. Mm-hmm. Um, who plays Brainy? Um, he gets to do like a lot of stuff. His sister comes in to play Brainy Brainia, as well. Which yeah, is also, yeah, yeah, which is also just really delightful as well. I'm glad that they did that. Um, so I do agree that there's a good bit of what call it. Of it's a good way to explore trauma and doing it through Brainy. Um, so I think works. And even if I don't always need like oh. Those witches are back. And this is like, oh, those witches are back. <laughs> no, just go away. Never come back. Don't remind me. Yeah. Just go away. Um, so that's that was fine. But I think like generally, again, dealing with this concept of Supergirl as, well, yeah, but we have all these refugees from the other worlds and dimensions. And so we have to deal with that somehow. And that's a good this is the show to deal with that. Um, even though another show is going to deal with it, um, that I think that there's just, this is the show to grapple with that and kind of explore it. And I'm hoping that there's a through line, a continuation of it, that we're just not Al's bar with two Al's now Mm -hmm. isn't just, which is just delightful. (laughs) Um, isn't going to, this isn't going to be the end of that. And I'm hoping that there's more for them to kind of pick through with that. Um, but it just, it does make me sad that s- the back half of season four just maybe just didn't happen anymore. Or all of season four just didn't happen anymore. Who knows quite how all of this is going to work because season four was really, really good. And I'm frustrated by that, but, um, we'll I mean, see. I don't know that any of
0: that didn't happen. It just yeah. isn't tied to Lex.
1: Right, maybe. That's fair.
0: Yeah. Because, like... I think it fits with certainly it fits fits with the politics of black lightning <laughs> to yeah. have all of this happening you know and this 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 anti alien um sentiment and the fervor whipped up um in the past season so like I think I guess when we need to we'll get a more solid answer but yeah. it's just this hasn't been tied to Lex in, in and yeah. in any meaningful way um Lex has either kept his hands clean or not gotten involved in that because he was doing other things instead.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um plus I mean he was really busy making that just awesome DEO commercial. That's just Oh my God. That was so delightfully good. terrible. <laughs>
0: Did you have any thoughts on, well, I should mention, I thought, you know, you meant, we already mentioned Jesse Rath and his sister, but her name is Megan Rath. I think they're really terrific together um, yes. as Brainy
1: and Brainia. Um, what did you think of the different Brainies? And did you
0: enjoy some of the comic shout outs that we
1: got? Um, I enjoyed the different Brainies a lot, actually. And like how, again, like Rath just does a really nice job of making them all feel really distinct, mm-hmm. both physically, but also vocally, but also they all feel like Brainiac which I think is really well they all feel like Brainiac 5 which Mm -hmm. I think is really really important when you're doing this kind of a thing and so all of that through line I just really 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 liked and it carried the episode for me in ways that kind of surprised me the only thing that didn't work for me was the um, me and all brainy breakup but that's just because they keep feel like they're almost breaking up for like this entire season already um, that when they finally do pull that trigger it's just like i don't i don't care i want to care but i don't um so uh, it's a little frustrating but i am intrigued by brainiac working with lex luthor <laughs> yeah to to then also kidnap toy man <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, I'm going to need. Uh, I'm looking for Jeremy Jordan being back, but only if he's actually win. And I don't think he's actually win. So it's much less exciting. I, like, yay, Jeremy Jordan. But, like, the the Jeremy Jordan I care about on this show is win and the win who went to the future. So, like, mm-hmm. this isn't him. Are you at least going to find an excuse for him to sing? So, no, you're not? No. Okay.
1: No, probably not. No, so. they're not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways let's move on to batwoman and yeah. how queer everything is today um so so is that your prediction for beth is that she's from the batman uh the, the kevin conroy
1: batman earth i mean that i she's from some earth or mm-hmm. she's right she's got to be from some other earth um i'm really hoping that's what they're doing because otherwise it's just i have so many questions if that's not what they're doing yeah <laughs> but it's such a good way of escalating and really shifting a dynamic for the show that I felt like they had already shifted the dynamics enough in their pre-crisis episode. Um, In like, they just shook every, they shook everything up in the box really, really nicely. And now they're just like, okay, the pieces have settled. Here's this whole other, here's this whole piece from another puzzle, work Mm -hmm. it in. And it's just like, oh, show. I'm very excited about this and just in what it's going to continue to do for how this is going to change Kate's approach and to dealing with whatever um um Alice has in store for everyone because you know Alice has contingencies for contingencies
0: do you really think Alice has a contingency for if a different one of her from a different universe shows up? I don't no, no, think no. Does. I don't
1: think she has contingencies for that. But she does have contingencies for getting, like, locked up by the D, uh, by oh, yeah. the, uh, Crows. Yeah, so, yeah. So, no, she has contingencies for that. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I also just, I also can't wait for Alice to meet Beth because you know that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And it's gonna be really good. <laughs> uh so I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, from just a narrative level, I don't think that Guggenheim, when he mentioned that they were going to do something, like, that was just bonkers, did not undersell it in any way. Because <laughs> I do think that this is kind of bonkers. Like, this is what we're going to do to acknowledge the crisis. Apart from Kara has a sit-down with her bestie, uh, <laughs> Kate, to out Batwoman, and it's just like, Yes! This is the exact way to acknowledge the crisis mm-hmm. um, in such a perfect way, but also in a way that also fits with everything that happened in Supergirl. Because, you know, Andrea went, yes, give us this story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all the clicks. Yeah. Um. So generally, really good episode. Um. The stuff in the bathroom, I think, is a little on the nose Um. in terms of like needing to set up again, doing a reintroduction of, all right, you haven't been watching Batwoman, you saw her in the crisis, come back, watch our episode back. Here's our mission statement, kind of a deal, literally and figuratively in a lot of ways of, we've got Kate kind of shifting from who she was prior to crisis in, I think, productive ways. But also the city's conception of her has shifted as a result of, it's an age of heroes kind of deal now. Um, And I think that the ways in which all of that subtly gets baked into this episode is really, really good. Um, So I liked it. I was generally really keen on all the other little shifts that they made that really weren't big, but just enough to push the show into a different gear. And I'm happy about that. How did you feel about this?
0: Yeah, I liked it. Um, After hearing from you that there was some big stuff, a big thing coming, I... I, I for whatever reason thought that I was happening at the beginning of the episode, so I just kept watching this episode, going like, "What is what is no I was about? too <laughs> like, "What is?" I'm so confused. And then it's like the last frame of the episode. Yeah. I'm like, oh, "Oh, fair enough. Okay, yeah, I know that lives up to it. That yeah. lives up to the hype." I just kept going like, "Nothing is. This is very Black Lightning. Nothing is different." You know, um, although I hadn't seen Black Lightning at that time, but you you guys know what I mean. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. There was a lot. To enjoy, and I'm excited for what's going to happen next with uh, uh, with Alice and with Beth, and I'm excited for Mary stuff. Yes, them not like the the fact that they didn't backtrack anything, yeah. meaningful in this season. I think is surprising, but uh, you know appropriate and. I, you know, I look forward to how she's going to convince everybody about, about Mouse, because that's going to happen before the end of the season. But, yeah, there, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff here. I thought that the case of the week was entertaining. I like the Mm -hmm. setup of, like, that hacker terrier girl, like, girl genius who could easily come back, loop back into play as a, like, a supporting character once she graduates high school, hopefully. um. Yeah, I think there was just a lot of, of fun stuff. Like, you know, when you mentioned when we were talking off mic, there's some really terrific lines. Um, yes. I didn't know who to bring, so I brought C4. It's just just, and the delivery is great too just like and the delivery
1: is so good yeah
0: it's it's really it's really a lot of fun so there's there's a lot to enjoy here um the like the the toss away line about how batwoman just like reads very femme and very very straight um was mm-hmm. was enter and like kate's reaction to that was really entertaining as well um so yeah no it was it was i thought there was a lot a lot of good, interesting things here. So I had a lot of fun with this episode.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also a really good episode in which you really see how, even if you just go back and watch like the these 10 episodes, plus everything in the crossover, uh, how much Ruby Rose has kind of like really grown into the role. Um, especially in like what you were saying, doing really good reaction shot work to a lot of stuff that has always been there. But I think that the show's realized, oh, that's what we need to mine from her is the really good reaction shots that she can do to certain things. It feels very ML, right? Yes, it does feel very ML, but slightly more comedic, which I yeah. really like. Yeah, um, because Kate's funnier than Oliver, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it does feel very ML, and I like that.
0: Yeah, it, it really just like Green uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries is going to be the the show that's trying to recapture that Arrow energy, but I feel like Kate is closer to an Ollie than Mia is, uh-huh. and... Uh, and so this, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting dynamics. It's very much yeah. like <laughs> Kate, Kate and Kara are very much the Ollie and, and uh, Barry because yes. Kara is her own character and everything, but she's just her and Barry are just so goofy. And uh, yeah, I, I would have liked if, if there's something that I, I feel like we're getting, we're missing out on in the Arrowverse, it's more time with Ollie and Kate. Cause I feel like they would really get along. Yes. um And yeah. we just are not going to get more of that for various reasons. um But yeah, no, oh, it's fun. Um, okay, any final thoughts on our reverse post-crisis um, resets? And if not, what wins your week in TV?
1: Um, I think Meet the Legends wins my week in TV. It's mm-hmm. just really delightful. Um, So, yeah, that wins my week in TV. What about you? What won your week?
0: Well, I have just shout out The Good Place, Patty, which was really good and features... Uh, like I said last week, a terrific guest casting like uh, choice. I still really enjoy it. I'm not, still not going to say because you still haven't had a chance to see it yet, uh, Noel, but it's very good. Uh, also, Emergence Killshot Part 1 was super fun and uh, I'll say squeeful. And there's a lot of, you know, just really fun writing and Alison Tolman is great, as we all know. So looking Gosh, forward to so that. Good. Uh, part two next week, the finale. Um, but for me, what was my weekend TV? I enjoyed a lot of these at pretty much the same level. I guess I feel like on potential, I would give it to Picard. Mm-hmm. But on like fun while viewing, it's got to be Legends. Yeah, with a shout out to to Doctor Who for Tesla. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's well to give to. Of course, we also both, I mean, like, there's also sex education in the, in the con- in contention, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So that that's what I will give it to. Yes. I've said three shows, which is cheating, but I don't care because it's our podcast, so we get to just do that. Now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back to talk sex education season two. We'll be right back after this. Good morning, Mordale. Today, we shall be hearing from a sexual health
1: expert we here to start an open conversation about S-E-X. Didn't you wank off a courgette? It's a new term. No more clinic, no more drama. You can't give it up. Everyone's got chlamydia.
0: I read that I should rub beach on my vagina, is that true?
1: I can't do dirty talk. My cum tastes like kimchi. Maeve has moved on, and so have I. If you let me back in, I won't tell everyone that your school is full of cheats. He's from France. I think I just had a very small orgasm.
0: I was wondering if you'd like to go out with me. I think I'm ready. You sure? we are going to have sex i'm
1: sorry you finally get a girlfriend and she's basically your sister we're not going to pretend everything's okay because it's not is there something going on between you and Maeve?
0: Maeve broke up with me because she's in love with you
1: i think i might be broken sex
0: doesn't make us whole so how could you ever be broken
1: Oh yeah? Yeah? Stop that! This is entirely about the money. It's good to be back in business.
0: that was a trailer for season two of Netflix's sex education. And, uh, you know, we enjoyed season one quite a bit. That was a while ago last year. What did you think, Noel, of season two? Were you really hyped up for this? And if so, did it live to your expectations?
1: I don't know that I was like necessarily hyped up for it. Um, because like, I think season one's very good and very enjoyable. Uh, so, but it was also something that just didn't necessarily stick in my head. Mm -hmm. um but i sort of like i i didn't sort of i was very excited to get back into the show once i realized it was coming back and i think season two is generally really strong but i also think that i was going to say that about any show that involves a post-apocalyptic sex musical rendition of Romeo and Juliet, in which the poster <laughs> involves them being in a forest of penises. Um, there was just there was just a lot of stuff that spoke to me on many different levels. Um, but I think the the larger thing that I liked about this season was just the way in which they restructured things so that Jean could be more present as opposed to kind of saddled at home. It was just like, oh, no, she's going to be at school now in a way that kind of makes sense. Makes sense enough. Yeah. Makes sense enough. Please don't think about it too hard. Um, but that allows for Jillian Anderson to act opposite many other people, which I... I appreciate as a fan of Jillian Anderson. Mm -hmm. Um, But also it opened up a number of avenues for the show um, that I liked as well. So on the whole, I think sex education season two is really good. I have some issues with um, the end, but, um, and my, it's not the deleted voicemail because as tired and boring as that is, I also just saw it coming a mile away. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the other part of the end. Anyway, how did you feel about season two? <laughs>
0: um, I liked it. I thought it was super fun. Uh, I think that it's, it's even more assured than the first season, which is yes. a confident first season. I agree that they Choices to get Jean to the school are interesting and, and work well. Um, I totally buy them. I also totally buy how petty and terrible our <laughs> headmaster is. So the way that that goes just feels very appropriate. So we'll see what happens next um, with that part of the show. I liked the different discussions that they made sure to have. It's, I mean, because I binged this, these eight episodes, it felt a bit like ticking off a list. Uh-huh. um so it's like, let's make sure we have our episode about pansexuality, make sure we have our episode about about uh, asexuality um uh, being asexual, but not aromantic. Let's have our, you know, like so there was a bit of a checklist energy to it, but I'm okay with that because these are topics that so rarely get covered in teen shows and just in shows in general. Shows so, in
1: general, yeah.
0: Yeah, I liked that enthusiastic consent was an important part of every sex scene that we saw with our main characters and mm-hmm. not laughed at or, or, um, or, or derided in any way. I liked the that there's a very consistent discussion of condom use among our very sexually active teen population which is again a thing that's so rarely seen on on TV especially in teen shows and so that I thought was was terrific and also made sense for these characters yeah um and, and it's it followed just,
1: up with a plan B discussion after that which exactly. is also really really good
0: yeah yeah and it's like oh no I am not having <laughs> your strange child so we're definitely doing this you're
1: strangely long baby
0: (laughs) yeah that's not gonna happen um and 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 so so yeah it it was a good i mean and having Jean at the school helps with that because she can be authoritative in a way that otis can't and um yeah i thought it was interesting having the you know the 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 sex life uh sex lives of some of the adults um interact in interesting ways with what's going on with the kids I thought was another really successful element of it and I mean we continue Otis continues to have just the worst dad ever wow uh, he's
1: so terrible
0: he's always terrible he's very terrible um and yeah the, there there's a lot of really good stuff here and I don't know how much you know like I for me having almost all the characters get sucked into forms of love triangles was a bit much mm, um yes and I, so I would have preferred n- not to have all of that, but I did. I do like that. They were like, okay, no, 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 we're gonna, everybody knows that Otis and Maeve are OTP. So we're going to make sure that we send Ula off, but, but in a positive way where she's with everybody, very can be,
1: positive way, <laughs>
0: where everybody can be very happy and still be cool together and still have her on the show. Cause we like the character and we don't want to make Otis too much of a dick. Um, for for breaking up with her or her breaking up with him. Um, And so this is what we're going to do instead. (laughs) Uh, So I thought, I thought that that all, that all worked. I just would have, I mean, I would have liked a little bit more originality with some of, or or just some different storylines for some of the characters. I do think some of my frustration ties back to just as much as I, I do actually really enjoy the actor, but not caring about Adam and having like, I think the sh- the show is more interesting without him in it. Um, uh, also, a lot of these actors, like, between season one and season two, I don't know if it's when they filmed it, they look so much older. It's a real issue for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's part of it, too. What, what did you think about these elements?
1: So, no, I had the same thought. Um, I guess, I think around episode three or four of going, oh, no. Everyone looks too old to be in the show now. Yeah, and it's and only it's... been a couple of years. How? Yeah, no, that was my thing. It was just like, how did this happen? They were already in their like their late teens and early twenties, a number of them. But I was they were just already like,
0: too old last season, but they right. managed to sell it better.
1: Right, and but now I'm just like Butterfield in particular, just like aged eight years between seasons. Oh, <laughs> uh, which is I'm just like it, he's he's too old now to do this Mm -hmm. um he looks too old now to do this but it's like nitpicking type stuff because this is how it's almost always been with any sort of a teen sex comedy because you can't have people too young doing any of this um especially on this show um it just it creates all kinds of issues so yeah it's a little distracting in a number of places um yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, let's just talk about the Adam elephant in the room. The show is much more interesting without him in it, and then the show's insistence that he's going to be in it, goddammit. And also, <laughs> now he's with Eric, and I was just like, you you didn't earn this in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can sell me on the, oh, he makes you laugh, and he makes you sparkle thing enough, and um, Raheem does not, but also years of abuse years just years of bullying and abuse and fear and now gone not a thing or a thing that you will work through in another season provided there's a season three coming i don't know if it's been picked up for season three yet or not mm. um it has not um that i desperately will need them to do in season three because otherwise no this It just feels really not good, and not where Eric is throughout a lot of this season of falling back into this kind of thing. um, so it's really kind of it was very frustrating, and the fact that the show in this season in particular telegraphed this is what's going to happen um was just filling me with so much dread that I was actively like. No, let's go to the dark corner of the show where Amy tries to deal with her sexual assault, because that's really good. And I don't want to deal with this part of the show that you clearly think is good, but is not. So how did you feel about it? Yeah,
0: well, it's just... They they, they needed to do a lot more legwork on Raheem Doesn't Make You Sparkle. yeah. That's not true for most of the season. Um, and I think they start, like, basically just need more time. If they had progressed that storyline so that they could have the scene and the tension that comes up around religion and, and the church and belief and faith and all that, and then take that as a cracking point and go from there, that would have worked better. But, like, for most of the season, Raheem makes Eric giggly and happy. And that's, that's a thing he deserves. <laughs> It's the thing he deserves to have in his life, and um, that's not what we get from. I mean, I just, I just don't think it's earned, and I think it's. I it, there seems to be a lack of awareness of the import of the abuse, and yes, the show does pay lip service to it. Yes, Otis is very concerned about it, but it doesn't feel like the show is concerned enough, and. Um, that is a big misstep in a, in a show that I feel like usually gets a lot of these more challenging topics pretty right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Eric even like acknowledges this like face to face with Adam of like, you did this stuff to me. You made me afraid. And the fact that the show still goes, yeah, but not afraid enough <laughs> yeah. is, is not a thing I'm a big fan of. Um, So I just, yeah, I just, I it was like the thing happening in the show that I just went, no, this this doesn't work. Like it was literally this and Groff's full on descent into Ferris Bueller principal territory that I just went, I feel like we're not calibrated well enough in these two areas. while I think everything else works well enough. Even down to the fact that I have never really found Otis and um, Ola to be particularly chemistry driven. And I like that the show explored that. And that's a really good way of dealing with A, being still hung up on uh, Maeve, but also just never quite Finding a connection, I think, is still really good.
0: Or like them liking the idea of the the other person, but then just not. And, right. and you know, with, with the line of like, I think we messed it up. I think we're better as friends. Yes, and feels absolutely appropriate to the their chemistry. Yes, and then and ex- I like the show actually exploring that and and having a exactly. less, pained breakup in, in that theme.
1: Right, even if it still involves Otis just being horrible and drunk and a monster (laughs) (laughs) on a thursday (laughs) (laughs) who has a party Thursdays are not the new friday (laughs) no
0: no anyway um, good times
1: yeah so uh, since i mentioned it what did you think about the um amy storyline with the bus and everything and how that played out and like the culmination of that and how where that ended up I
0: mean, it, it's very cutesy in Breakfast Club, you know, their yes. Breakfast Club episode. But um, but I, I love that they did that storyline. And, uh, you know, I just saw a lot of people talking about that on Twitter as well, of just how much it spoke to their experience and how, like, something that seems, you know, that like, seeming like it's it's just such a little thing. It's, can you even call that, do you even call that assault? And yes. then it having, mu- <laughs> well, of course, but then it having much more lingering effects that, you know, stuck with people. Um, And so, like, the show treating it as significantly as it did and having it be a thread for the entire season, not just one episode. Like, something like this would be a one-and-done, very special episode on a different show. And here, it's something that's reflected in the character um, and the other characters, but then, like, in wardrobe choices, in acting choices and framing choices all the way through the rest of the season. Um, And it's, I mean, it's not even necessarily resolved by the end of the season because we don't know where she's at with Steve by the end. Um so you know I appreciate She's okay with that. a
1: hug. That's like where she is. She's like, yeah. I think I'm okay with a hug. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so we'll see, you know, if they get a season three, what comes next, you know, how you know, if they continue that thread or if they kind of like leave that in the background to let us mm-hmm. fill in the gaps. But yeah. but no, I really appreciate it. I thought it was one of the stronger threads of the season.
1: Good. Yeah, no, I did too. And it was like Yes, the end of it is very Breakfast Clubby, but for mm-hmm. a show that operates in this weird in between space of time and space and uh, yeah, country and country
0: preparatory school,
1: yeah, <laughs> right. It's just like no, I will, I'll give you guys a Breakfast Club like plot, and we're going to do it to make this yeah. point, and I, yeah, yeah, and to use it to make this point, and I'm just like, no, I like it, I dig it, I'm cool with it. I'll go with it. Um, What'd you think of the Jackson stuff? I liked the Jackson stuff. I've almost wanted like a little bit more room for it though. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially with his moms, like I really needed more time with him and his moms in particular. Um, and I also really wanted to see a bit more of him struggling a little bit. Like watching him realize that he can just put his hand in those weights was, ah, cause that shit hurts. Um, those things are really heavy (laughs) Um, but then Trying Just a little bit more time And then also, like, a little more After time of Having them, having them walk off Having him and, um Vive, Viv Um, walk off And him being like, yeah, no, I'm back in therapy And I'm, like, drugs and everything It's just like, that's a But, but you could, yes, good However (laughs) and and <laughs> show that show that conversation and that exploration of what that means it's a good step in which we get to see her at his house telling his moms what happened because yes that's the responsible thing to do even if it's not the like friend thing to do it's the right thing to do um so Building on that kind of a concept to then go, yeah, no, we're going to have another discussion about therapy, we're going to have another discussion about medication, and just, like, just one, two scenes additional, and you're golden, I feel like. Um, so I really liked that, yeah.
0: I liked how that incorporated, like, just the whole conce- conception of Viv, and yes. her just really... Connecting with and falling back onto statistics all the time really was very impactful. Then, in that scene where she's talking about self harm and suicide and that influencing her choices and going to his mom's and everything, I thought was a really like it worked really, really well. And, uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed that friendship throughout the season as it developed. And, uh, yeah, we'll see again if they get a season three, we'll see what comes next. But that was a, a neat and interesting thread as soon as I said he was going to get tutored I was like oh because Maeve's in the thing they're going to have Maeve tutor him now and I was glad that that is one part that they w- went somewhere new
1: yeah and speaking of Maeve like we haven't really discussed that corner of the show at all for this season uh what did you think about like her mom returning because the show is like we, she's got a whole messed up family we can just keep drawing on apparently <laughs> um so next season look for her uncle <laughs> mm-hmm. And then everything with um, Isaac, who's that guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: Isaac. I didn't care much for Isaac. Uh, It felt just really, it it just feels very, uh, let's throw up a barrier between our couple getting together. And I don't don't think they really earned the tension with um, Otis and Maeve that after after me uh sorry after Otis broke up well Lula broke up with with Otis um I really didn't buy the tension between them and I, it felt <laughs> really really forced and pained and I don't think they should have done that I think they should have just I think it was more interesting to just let the tension be her mom and let the tension be her actually you know getting credit and being therefore needing to be more involved in school and these other activities too it doesn't need to be you know the this this new potential love interest from next door and and is he a creeper or not and uh and how just how controlling is he um so yeah I liked the awareness of like you're for someone who is a doctor who works out of their house uh there is no disability access. And that seems like that should have been a concern before. Now, if I enjoyed that shout out with the steps. Um, yeah. And I just, I thought the swing dancing scene was fun and cute and everything. I like the notion of, of me having someone her age she can talk to about dealing with being the child of addicts and everything. Um, but I, it just felt pretty transparent to me.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the lord the the like the problem with it, which is why I just kinda of checked out of it, um, was it just felt really transparent. Um, and just we're building this. It doesn't really work. And but it's okay, I think to a certain degree, because unlike, say, the Adam and Eric stuff, um, which keeps pulling spotlight, this I could I felt okay just kind of ignoring it in when these scenes were happening. Um, that it was that that it was just like, no, I know what we're doing, so I can just like shove it aside. And it's not gonna frustrate me because again, it's just very it's not grounded in a weird cycle of abuse and type stuff. It's just grounded in a bad cycle of abuse towards audience of (laughs) these programs yeah yeah. um less of less of cycle of abuse with characters which makes me angrier
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. no no i hear you i hear you um i really liked what we got uh if you know there were some issues with the the principal but i liked what we got with his wife oh his Um, wife is so good she's great i don't remember her name but she's great (laughs) um and I also liked what we were getting with, like, the the English and math teacher, or, or sorry, science teacher, and band teacher, and sex ed teacher. Um, so I thought that that was interesting and funny. And I, I expected it to be played for laughs and done. And so when it became just more of a, no, they're try, actually trying to navigate a relationship, right. that was more interesting.
1: It was, because I, like, that first scene, I'm just like, oh, you could do so much better English mm-hmm. teacher, you could do so much better. And then yeah. it was just like, oh no, he's kind of horrible in school, but he's not horrible here. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with this now. Yeah. Um, and like that whole scene of like figuring out the dirty talk type of discussion, I'm just like, no. And then the, the culmination of that as like a joke of, oh, it's not the words. I can just say weird kitchen appliances yeah. to you in that tone of voice, and it works. Yes, <laughs> we we successfully bridged the gap between our discomfort and needs. Yes, we did it.
0: <laughs> Use your words, communicate, and that helps. Yeah, I appreciated that. Um, I liked also what we got with Jacob and and Jean, and I thought that that I you know I thought it was it was played well throughout the season. I liked the the balance of the tension with Otis and Jakob, I thought worked really nicely. And yeah, I, I, I look forward to what comes next with them. If there is a season three and if there is a next with them, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And I hope there is a next with them.
0: Yeah. I hope there is too. Jean identifying that she doesn't really have fe- friends and that's actually probably a problem. Is nice.
1: Yeah, it is like uh, the general sort of arc of Jean in this season, I think is really, really good in terms of, Yakov, Yakov going, Yaakov, going. Yeah, you're just you're not ready for the intensity of a relationship that I need. The way that that kind of steadily built out, um, because it's really easy to read her response to him leaving stuff around the house as a lack of tidiness almost. And then it goes into a larger no, you've invaded my house. And I'm not okay with that. And he's just like, yeah, that's kind of how this works for me and how I need this to work. And you're not ready for that. And that's fine. It's sad, but it's fine. Yeah.
0: Well, and also just being like, "Yet yeah, you kissed your ex, not because you wanted to kiss your ex in a meaningful big way but because you were sabotaging our relationship because of the you know like and that clarity that he has about it is absolutely appropriate and speaks a lot to why he's interesting to her
1: right exactly and I feel like there has to be a next because she's pregnant (laughs) yeah well I mean there's that (laughs) We, we do have to deal with that but also I'm super curious how they deal with that given again just the gloriousness of Otis's and Ruby's Plan B outing is was kind of one of my favorite subplots in the entire season of just how really good that one episode bit was. You don't know who I am. <laughs> you know who I am.
0: Everyone knows who I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. And, and just when it's like when you can see outside the shop, and she's he's like, yeah, no, you have to go, and she doesn't want to. And then she yeah. like he like says like two more words. She's like, yeah, but I want your kid even less. So let's yeah. just do this. <laughs> Oh I man, did you have any other elements of the season that you wanted to to mention or performances or anything like that?
1: I mean, again, Lily just gives me life, like all mm-hmm. of it. Just all the life. Um, but also like the ways in which by the end when she and Ola are navigating what their sexual relationship looks like, I think is also really, really good. Um and like the degrees of confidence, how that works and I I really appreciated that. We got a little more space to follow up on that from season one. Um, So I was glad that that was there and I'm yeah. So that was really good. And is there anything else I'm missing?
0: Well, we haven't talked about the wardrobe and Eric's wardrobe continues to be delightful. And I also love all of Jillian Edmondson's, dresses that she
1: has well you say that about the wardrobe and i think you're all you're very correct but also we just need to talk about how the quiz heads look like 1950s gas station attendants <laughs> and how into it i am
0: <laughs> <laughs> as someone who was on my high school's scholastic ball team me too <laughs> it's so fun right it's yeah. amazing um but no we did not have uniforms like that and that would not have flown at our school <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> our, we didn't our team we're not going to do that so. uh but yeah it's delightful it's good stuff
1: I was just like, and then all the other teams had kind of like uniforms as well that we got to see. And I just went, Uh, oh, I love TV shows, depictions of quiz bowl teams, mm-hmm. uh, especially at preparatory schools.
0: <laughs> good times. Good times. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a really successful and a fun season. Yes. I The eight episodes, again, feels just right. And yep. yeah, I look forward to a hopeful, fingers crossed, season three.
1: Yeah, same.
0: Yeah. well a few show notes here at the end of the episode you can find a post for this episode over at thetelliverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV you can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there you can also find us in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed and we're also in Stitcher um, we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place you can email us thetelliverse at gmail.com it, you can read my Avenue 5 reviews over at the AV Club and you can also of course find us both on Twitter I am at thetelliverse and Noel you are
1: at Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate.
0: Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.